0: Everything Leaves podcast. We have won the Stanley Cup! Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti.
1: Welcome to the Everything Leaves podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza as always. Nick, we last recorded on the 19th. The Leafs are 3-1 and since then with a 5-3 win over Montreal, a 3-0 loss to Calgary, a 2-1 overtime win to Calgary, and then the 4-1 win against Edmonton last night. What are your just general thoughts here on the team? Obviously a pretty good week. They're 16-4-2. Is there much to complain about right now?
0: No. I mean, they just keep rolling on. They, obviously they've been super injured um, this past like week and a half to two weeks. Uh, it almost feels like as soon as one guy comes back, another one gets injured and they just continue to find game like find ways to win games. it's it's looking pretty good and I think I think at one point like you know when we can dissect the numbers and we look at things like Corsi at five on five and we can say that this team, you know, I would say at half the games they've been outchanced and kind of the shot attempts have they've been in the red there. And they just find ways to win. And I, I think we can just start to say that this team knows how to win in many different ways. And I think that's a good thing. And obviously, the record speaks for itself. So, um, you know, obviously, you can't complain about too much. But I'm sure we'll find something to complain about today.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to try a little bit harder than normal, I guess. But yeah. I think with 16-4-2, like, I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know if you're going to be that good the whole year. I will say, like like you said, like, there is a different feel of this team just in terms of their, their defensive play. Um you know, I wrote an article today at Maple Leafs Hot Stove, but one thing I cited was right now they're fifth best in goals against permitted at 5-on-5, five five, and last year they twenty 27th. Now, part of that's goaltending. If you look at expected goals, it's not quite the same, but this team is pretty sound defensively at 5-on-5. Five five. They are playing low-scoring games, and if you look at just this week, like, I remember last season before they traded for Campbell, they had such a hard time getting wins when Anderson wasn't playing. And then this week, you get a. Hutchison comes close to a shutout. Campbell actually gets the shutout. So just a, just a different feel of this team where it feels like they can win those low scoring games. And it feels like even if they only get three goals, they have a chance. Whereas last year with Barry and Riley, it just felt different. But I think the, the defensive play is definitely kind of the biggest difference so far. But let's get into three stars here for the week. Uh, I think there's. There's, obviously, when you go three and one, I think there's quite a lot of guys to get to, especially when there was movement in and out of the lineup. But who really stood out to you this week?
0: I'm gonna stay with Mitch Marner here. I think yesterday, um, actually, I'm, I'm gonna put a quick disclaimer here. I didn't watch the game last night um, in real time. I had to watch it this morning. Uh, it was actually my mom's birthday last night, so if my mom wow. is, if my mom's listening, she's not. Um, happy birthday! But so I was celebrating that last night. I wasn't watching the game in real time. Uh, so you kind of miss the emotion like of the game when you're watching it after and you already know who scored and what the score is and whatnot. So uh, so my takes might be a little bit, a bit different today. But anyways, I'm gonna go with Mitch Martin. I think he was excellent um, last night and all week. He's been really good. And obviously, when when you're missing Matthews, you need someone to step up and and be kind of that that guy and i think Matt uh, marner was last night he obviously got the assist at the beginning then he scored right after that and i thought he was really good against the mcdavid line all night so uh, i think it's an easy first star but um you know it's gonna have to be marner
1: yeah i think that's a good pick so obviously he's been amazing with matthews all season matthews missed his second game of the year last night and they needed that line to step up big so thornton got a chance Sorry, Tavares got a chance with Thornton and Marner. He was in Matthew's regular spot. And you just knew, especially with McDavid, it felt like it was going to be a higher scoring game. You, you knew that line had to, to do something because they didn't have the same depth that they normally do. And right out, off the gate, Marner had a really nice pass on the power play to Nylander for that goal. Uh, he also had a nice goal in the first period. And, and really, that was all they needed. Like They didn't allow a goal, obviously. So those two goals were, you know, it didn't exactly put the game out of reach, but it, it definitely put the Leafs on the right foot. So. He's obviously having a great season, leads the team in points. Uh, c- kind of ridiculous that he's got 32 points in 22 games, uh, basically assists per game. Uh, he's playing big minutes, power play. He's, he's a really good penalty killer. He's strong defensively. He can match up against anyone. Uh, he's having a great season, and you know I think he made a great pick.
0: Yeah, who would be your uh, first star?
1: Well, you took Marner from me, so I am going to go. I'm going to go. i got to go Nylander. I want to talk about Nylander. He hasn't had the best year, but I do think that people have been a little bit too hard on him, uh, primarily because I thought, like even before this week, he was the best player in that second line. I think Tavares has had a bit of a weak season, uh, but when that second line has produced offense, it's come from Nylander. He's, he set up VZ with, with two pretty much tap-ins. He set up Tavares for a tap-in. He's got a couple goals of his own. And then just that win against Calgary, he was he was he got quite a bit of blame uh, on that on that Calgary goal that put them in the lead, um, which was partly his fault and, and partly I think you know a breakdown before that. Right. Um, but just but just looking at like it seems like they're about to lose. He kind of puts the team on his back, scores the tying goal, and then wins it on a really nice goal in overtime. So, you know, I think if he hadn't scored those goals, we'd be hearing a lot of knee-later uh, talk in a negative way. Um, but to have that game and then come back the next game with the first goal of the game and, and what ended up being the game winner, I got to give him a star. I think he's uh, he bounced back nicely uh, in, the, in his last two games here.
0: Yeah, I wanted to address Nylander because I, I think, like you said, he does get a lot of you know flack within the media and and the fan base. And I think for me personally, when I watch Nylander and I, I see people that say, like, there are people that think that this guy is no good trade him they don't even care who he gets traded for trade him for a defenseman trade him him for a winger um they just don't see the value in in nylander despite the points that he puts up and, and and all of that and i can definitely see why they think that i mean he is a nonchalant player uh i think he kind of picks his spots in terms of when he really tries to battle and whatnot but it also shows me that like those people don't really watch neutral zone play and and i know like hockey twitter kind of kind of overhypes things like like zone entries and and denying zone exits and things like that but I mean neutral zone play is extremely important and Nylander has been one of like the biggest one of the leaders in terms of neutral zone takeaways you know whenever he's on the ice he's, he's usually the one who's carrying the puck into the into the offensive zone and I find players like that and, and Pierre Engval kind of falls into this category too is where you know they're they're very good puck carriers and, and usually, like good events happen in the offensive zone and and when I look at like the Nylander Matthews duo over the past few years, like if you watch a like even in his rookie year the forty goals that Matthews scores and you watch a compilation of all those goals on YouTube, you'll see a ton of those goals start with Nylander entries and it's almost like Nylander does the entry, the Leafs score a goal. And you almost forget about that Nylander entry because something 10 times cooler, a goal, occurs right after that. And I think a little bit of that happens to Nylander where he does a good thing and you just forget about it because something way better happens right after. So, And then obviously we can all remember the times where Nylander's been in his own end and he's made a mistake and a goal happens right after that. And those are the things people remember. So I think the management obviously sees that what Nylander brings to this team, but... I think that they also see what he lacks and I think that they also really want more out of him. And I, you know, I think he's just a really good player and and I think there is more into him. So, you know, I would consider myself a Neanderthal, and I'm sure that you do as well, but you know, I think there is a little bit more in the tank in terms of his consistency and his, in his effort level and and things like that. But I mean, what he brings to this team is, is undeniable. I mean, he's, he's a bona fide star.
1: Yeah. I think you made a good point with his entries. Like, you don't score your team doesn't score if they can't gain the zone and he's so good at gaining the zone that he puts the he puts his teammates or his linemates in a position to score right um, just because he's so damn good in transition and he does get takeaways he doesn't have the gelchenyuk or Kessel defensive impacts by the numbers uh, maybe one day his defense will look like that but right now he's he's perfectly fine defensively uh, especially on the wing so I mean he's been a good player it's just like you never hear other fan bases complain about sixty-point wingers. Like I've never heard a Capitals <laughs> fan be like, "We gotta get rid of TJ Oshie." I've never heard a Golden Knights fan be like, "You know what, Jonathan Marchessault, get get rid of him. He's lazy, right?" Like, <laughs> yeah. At some point, you like the results speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, like any player, whether it's Nylander, whether it's Marner, whether it's Ilya Makayev, like I'm in to trade anyone if the offer is good enough. I'm just I'm very skeptical that you're gonna get you know, a haul for Nylander that's that's a, a can't-miss trade. Obviously, this is a team that's, you know, they're not looking for futures at this point. They'd, they'd be looking for, you know, players to help them win a cup. So it's such a tricky trade. It'd almost be like a, a challenge trade, which you don't see very often unless someone demands a trade like that, you know, Lonnie for, for Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Um, so I, I just don't see a fit. I don't, don't know why we're talking about this. Uh, it's kind of annoying when he has a good game. People are like, see, this is what he's
0: capable of. Or trade um, high. Trade while he's high. That's another one. Yeah. That's brutal. But he's having
1: a, I think he's, you know, he's had a great start to his career as a leaf and uh, definitely deserving of a star. So I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that one. Uh, how about your second start, Nick? Do you have anyone who jumps out?
0: I'm going to go with one um, that a lot of people will like. I, I think it's going to be Campbell. I think, you know, last night coming in after being injured for a few games. And and in that first period, I thought Edmonton really took it to the Leafs. I mean, David, for example, had a bunch of chances and I thought Campbell was excellent. Obviously, he got the shutout. And, you know, I feel like on this podcast, we try not to talk about off-ice things as much as we can. um, But, like, it's undeniable to see how much people, even the fan base and even the players, like, love Jack Campbell. Um, and, And, like just his positivity and whatnot is so infectious and and when Hall stuck up for him I thought it was so funny even hours after like that morning Hall made that comment about how um Jack Campbell like taps him on the the shin even though he'd like Hall didn't do anything on a save (laughs) that Campbell made so I thought that was just so funny that that night um Hall sticks up for him so I I thought he'd really deserve a tab there but I thought he was solid I think that I think he's, you know, you still have to ride Anderson, and people are going to talk about a goaltending controversy. But I think it's just nice to have two goalies that you can kind of trust, and and definitely a backup goalie that you can trust because uh, before Campbell, obviously they were thin there. So uh, he's uh, he's my t- second star.
1: Yeah, I was going to go to him too. So uh, I mentioned off the top, like before they traded for him, they were so desperate for a goalie they could not get a win from their backup. You know, Garrett Sparks had a had a rough year in his one year stint with the Leafs, and then uh Hutchison obviously had a pretty rough stint last year so uh he was just even if you take away the off-ice stuff like just on-ice perspective was amazing uh, as you said it's so clear that he's loved by the fans he's loved by the, by his team i think they really want to to win for him and play well in front of him, uh which certainly helps um and i and i mentioned this in my article today like they got Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford for Trevor Moore and i, I believe it ended up being two third round picks um, and, you know, I like Trevor Moore, but this team has had no problem finding guys for the fourth line, whether it's Nick Batan, whether it's Travis Boyd, whether it's, you know, Spetzer or Thornton making the league minimum. Um, and, and Campbell only makes 1.65 million, which is a complete bargain. Uh, he's now at a 9.18 save percentage in 67 career games. I don't know if that's going to hold, but he's definitely one of the better backups in the league at this point, if I were to, you know, do a power ranking of backups. And, that Calgary game, the last one where he got hurt, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to like idolize players playing through injuries, especially if they're gonna, you know, make it worse. But it was a great performance from him, where you know he was just refusing to leave the net. From a fan perspective, it was great, and then obviously the shutout last night it was just fantastic. So uh, I'll have to give you credit for that one, Nick. But I'm going with another goalie for my second star, and that's Michael Hutchison. Uh, a bit of a surprise that he was playing this week. I think it was almost, you know, they really didn't want to play him, it seemed like. I think they would have rode Freddie until Campbell was back if they could. Obviously, when, when Anderson went down, they needed Hutchison to step up. And I think he's 2-1 and one this year, and he's won every game that the Leafs have scored. The only one he lost was that 3-0 game uh, against Calgary. He's been pretty solid. There was that one kind of weird goal where Tavares tipped it. Um, and that looked a little weak, but I think in like all in all, he almost had a shutout against Calgary, um, was, was very steady, earned the win, uh, and, and just so far so good. Like I give him credit. He was, he was supposed to be the four string goalie. He's been an amazing four string goalie. Um, and then just from last year, like you think most guys wouldn't want to come to Toronto after, you know, it's, it's such a big fan base and the fan base was definitely getting on him last year. I think he's just—it's you know—he's pretty resilient to to be able to play in this market and, and have the results he has this year. So I'm giving him kind of a, a shout out as my second star.
0: Yeah, I think he's been excellent. I think at some point it's it's kind of—I don't want to say it's cool to not like him after last year, but I feel like sometimes the criticism that he gets is a little bit unwarranted, especially this year. But um, but I think he's been excellent. Like you said, he is two and one. Um, and he, I think he's made like a bunch of pretty big saves for this team, and and obviously he's called upon in a time where, you know, it's not like the team is other than Hutch, other than uh, the goalies, they're like fully healthy, and he's coming in some games where you know this team's like kind of battered, uh, even without the goalies. So and he's been pretty good, so can't blame you there. But I'll I'll go with my third star here, and I think you have there's so many people that you can choose from. Like obviously Tavares had a really good game last night, um, getting called up, but. I'm gonna go a little bit. Actually, I'm not gonna go off the board at all. It's gonna be T.J. Brody here. Um, Okay. And I think this past week we've kind of seen what he's really worth, and well, I think he's had a fine start to the season as well. But I think this past week, especially, like he's been really good. And you know, yesterday they really played against McDavid quite a bit, um, and we saw a, a few times where it was McDavid versus Brody one on one, and I thought. Brody held his own really really well definitely better than definitely better than Riley has in the past obviously but I just think he does everything so well he's almost like a a similar Jake Muzzin without kind of the, the bite to hit. but he's just so reliable back there you can put him on the left side when they have the lead you can put him next to Bogosian he's obviously eating up big minutes next to Riley on the right side so I think he's just exactly what this team needed and he's he's old reliable right now and and you know, I really like watching him play. So I think he's he should probably be higher than he should probably should have been my second star, but it's okay with the third star here.
1: Yeah, I was going to pick him if you didn't, actually. So we're definitely on the same page tonight. Uh, as you mentioned, just the stick-on-stick defense has been outstanding. I just feel safe when he's on the ice. And even when he's playing with an offensive defenseman like Riley, he's, he's made it so steady back there. And I tweeted out the other night that, you know, Tyson Berry has 18 points in 23 games. Uh, at least prior to last night, I would have ranked third on the leaves. But I don't miss him whatsoever. Like, I just love having good defensemen that are good defensively. And Brody has just been so steady this year. Uh, he can play either side if you need him to. Like, if if Muzzin was out for, you know, a longer period of time, you could have possibly played him with Justin Hall because he can play the left side. Um, but, you know, he's just so calm with the puck he's not a, he doesn't shoot, which I almost like because he's just giving the puck to his forwards every time and, and kind of letting them go to work. Uh, but just such a steady player. It, it, it feels, it feels like he can go out against anyone. He can kill penalties. You know, he's on the second power play most nights. Um, that's who I was going to go to. I've just loved him so far. Uh, really, he really seems like the perfect addition. And I'm, I'm kind of like shocked that Calgary didn't give him that deal, like four years, 5 million. um, you know for a team like Calgary I'm surprised they didn't do it but you know we'll take it
0: it's really weird because I know that his like not what he was known for like obviously he was a he was a capable defender top four defender in Calgary but when he got signed by the Leafs like I saw a lot of kind of comments from Calgary fans and Calgary media saying that he is prone to making mistakes and I just have not seen that since he came to the Leafs like I can't even think off the top of my head any sort of big mistakes that he's made that have caused them goals or even like serious scoring chances. It's almost been the opposite where he's saving the team on on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, on a regular I think, basis. I think Jeek had tweeted out that he was like in previous seasons he was like really low in turnovers. Um I believe. But yeah, I just think he's been so steady. I think the the, the question is with defensemen sometimes it's like it was tough to tell because he played with giordano so much and then his results weren't amazing without him but he was playing with like Han, like hamannik at times it's just kind of tough to tell like for sure especially after you know they struck out on on tyson berry last year i wasn't 100 percent confident i know we both identified him as a target if you know if he was cheap enough which he ended up being um but but definitely looking like uh, a great signing so far um and and I'll get into it later. Like I know I tweeted yesterday that you know Dubis might be the favorite for the Jim Gregory GM of the Year award. And you look at Brody, look at how Bogosian's worked. Uh, you look at Justin Hall, who he who he stuck with through Babcock, and, and was the one who you know ultimately signed him to an NHL deal uh, and believed in. And then you look at um, oh, you can go down the list here. Muzzin was the other one. So he's really rebuilt the defense. You look at what the defense was. Uh, years ago with Haynes, Zaitsev, Polak, Ozoganov, Hunwick, um, and even guard, like Barry Gardner were more offensive and you just look at it now and they're just so much better defensively. Um, and so I think Brody is kind of the like the cherry on top of that. Like getting Muzzin was obviously a huge addition. I think everyone agrees, but adding a second guy in Brody, like now they're you know, it is it is a much, much better defense. Um, I'm gonna just get my sick, my third star out of the way here quick. There's two guys I'm I'm debating between here, and I'm gonna go probably the guy you want me to go with. So I'll go off He's just had a good week. Uh, he was kind of fighting for his NHL life. Like I didn't think he was like he was probably pretty close to uh, his last chance, especially the way Patan's been playing and Boyd um I didn't know how many more chances he was going to get but they did elevate him in the lineup he got a chance with Kerfoot and Nylander I kind of like the decision to be honest just so we get like a, an actual look with him playing more than 10 minutes a night and he, he took advantage he's winning battles he's going to the net I know Keefe said like he was creating a bunch of scoring chances um so he was back on that line last night and, and he's done well like I think he's going to be a guy. When, when Matthews comes back, he's probably going to be out of easy for that fourth line spot. At least if I was coaching, that's what would happen. So uh, I'll give him credit for kind of, I think his career is kind of on the, you know, is kind of on the bubble. And dangling. I think he's earned himself, he's earned himself uh, at least a handful of more games.
0: Yeah, I Barabanov I watched quite a bit during the summer. Um, and I said at the time that I think that he would be a pretty good fourth liner. And obviously, since then, the Leafs have added a lot of options at the fourth line. And I just felt early on, and I've said this about Lettinen too, where it's just so difficult to watch these guys for like five or six, uh, five on five minutes a game, especially when it comes to Barabanov, and say, okay, let's write this guy off right away. And we've seen too many times where guys get these little chances, and then, this is kind of pertaining to Babcock, you just throw them to the side and you never use them again. And I'm glad that Keith has stuck with these guys and they've given them, you know, kind of ample chances here and obviously they have the luxury of being first place and, and whatnot, but, like, they've stuck with Barabanov and, and I've really liked him this week, I think, like you said, his, um, obviously he kind of needed some big performance to stick out of a very, very, there's a lot of depth options. So you needed to stick out. I've really liked him in that top six when he's been there, uh, when he's playing with skilled players and, and, Obviously, the extra time he's he's been good. I think that he is kind of like a I don't want to say he's a poor man's Trevor Moore, but I think that he can he does well in battles. He's got a little bit of skill that he can kind of create off the rush and in in kind of that half court offense. So. I still think there's something there. Um I don't I'm not gonna be advocating for him to be in the top nine in the playoffs, but I definitely think he's this past week has, has kind of put him into the mix and and I think they're gonna continue trying him out. And and this experimentation and seeing who the depth players are, um is gonna continue until playoff time. Especially when Galchanya coming soon and Patan still kind of in the mix. But uh, I can't knock you for that pick. I'm I'm a big fan of Barabanov, I guess, in the past, and obviously now it's like He's just one of the guys that are in there and I really like this week so
1: yeah we'll see we'll see if he can continue to take advantage of his opportunities exactly, I got a question yeah. I'm so I put an article out today I'm assuming you haven't read it yet I'm hoping you haven't read it yet I right? have not
0: no I have not okay
1: perfect so I had listed someone who I called Toronto's biggest X factor who do you think I was referring to when I called someone Toronto's biggest X factor and I will say this. I didn't pick a goalie because I think the goalie is the obvious one. Yeah. So it is a player. It is a player.
0: Uh, Well, there's definitely a few different directions you can go with this. Um, If you are going with someone that, in terms of like playoff success, like if this player is the player that he should be, they're probably going to win the Canadian division. They're probably going to get to the third round and they're going to make some noise there. So I think that player would be John Tavares. Um, If he can figure his stuff out, kind of get his shot his shot rates back up kind of be that shutdown guy that he was in the past in the past two years Um, and you could trust him against top lines I think it would be him but if you went with a more kind of underground underdog story I guess it would be Alex Galchenyuk because if you can put him on that third line and and put him next to let's say Kerfoot and Mikheyev and have a third line that's defensively responsible thanks to those two players, but also has some offensive punch in Galchenyuk, and he kind of figures out his game, then I think that's a really good top nine. So I'll go Galchenyuk okay. in the end.
1: So you were wrong on both, I think. Oh, wow, eh? So I think Tavares was a good one, um, because he needs to be better. Like, if he's not better, they're going to have a tough time. But if he's scoring, like, he is, I guess, a big X factor, just because he hasn't been playing well, and you expect more of him. Um With Galchenyuk, I'll just say... I don't know if he's good enough to be the X Factor. He definitely could be. I'm kind of interested to see him uh, with the Marlies. He's going to be making his AHL debut. At, I believe he's 27, uh, so a bit of a different path to the to the AHL. But he certainly could be. Um, I, I at this point, I'm just going to wait and see and, and see if he's you know significantly better than a Patan. Um, but maybe he is. Maybe he does play well with the Marlies. Um, my X Factor was joe thornton and i'll tell you why huh. so so far so good for him like 10 games 10 points he's played nine i believe it's nine of the 10 with matthews and marner he's also pl- the other game he played was last night with Tavares and marner so he's consistently playing with good line mates the ice results have been outstanding um i guess the question is like is this real? Like, is he just a shotgun with two superstars? Or is this legitimate? Like, is he legitimately better than Zach Hyman? Or is he as good as Zach Hyman on that line? I certainly think just his ability to move the puck into, into space uh, and because he is such a great passer. That's been great. Um, I guess my question is, like, could he be the guy that gets the second line going? Because, you know, if you put Thornton with Tavares and Nylander, those guys should really be able like, they're good goal scorers that could benefit from that playmaking. And then the other thing is, is like, I'm I'm kind of curious to see how we do at center as well. Like, I don't know if I'm pitching it for the playoffs, but I wouldn't mind seeing. He's played center his whole career. Like, could he be an elite third line center like Kadri was, for example? Because um, you could potentially go, you know, Kerfoot and Hyman in the top six, or maybe you get another winger at the deadline, and you go, you know, Hyman and that winger in the top six. All of a sudden, Thornton drives a, a really good third line. So I just think. If he's this good, the Leafs really have something here because he makes seven hundred thousand. Um, he's racking up points. He's got great on ice results. I don't think it's possible. To, like his results probably aren't this sustainable, but so far he's been outstanding. And if he continues this, the Leafs are, you know, it's it's nice if they can put Hyman on the second line or that third line because Thornton's so good on that first line.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting notion. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of how. In terms of him being third-line center, I just don't know if we will see that. Um, I think he's played the wing pretty much since la- at least the last two years. Um, no, he played center last year. For how much of
1: it? 100%. 100% of the season. Really? They had injuries. Yeah, they, ha- they had injuries. Kachur and Hurdle were hurt. So, yeah, yeah. Like he was. Mm. I-, I remember watching a Leafs game, and he matched up against Matthews. And it's like... See, I don't I think we're in agreement that we don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, it's I'm just saying like what if he is what if he is the guy from 2018-2019 that played center with great on-ice results? Like I don't know at this point. I think like my thing is like just how good is this guy?
0: It would be interesting to see that. Like you have me thinking here. Let's say the Leafs do go out and get a top six winger and then you put that guy next to Tavares Nylander, and then you put Hyman next to Matthews Marner, mm-hmm. then I think it would be interesting to maybe try Thornton out at third-line third, third line center. The only thing that I'm kind of, I don't want to say concerned with, but I don't think we'll see him at third-line center until that happens, because that would mean that you're virtually breaking up that Thornton. Like, pretty much your your top two left-wingers right now on the team are Hyman and Thornton. And... And one of those two are going to be in the top top six. And we haven't seen Thornton out of that top six yet, which they could try. Um, Obviously, they got a big lead now, so they might continue to experiment. But I think that's your best bet in terms of when you would see Thornton on that third line would be when they actually get another top six left winger. Um, And then you can kind of try that out. But until then, it might be a little tough to do that. But it's definitely an interesting notion because obviously he has played for a long time. I just you would need like two pretty good skaters on his wingers to, to kind of be the, the F1 and the F2 on the forecheck and then allow Thornton to be the F3, which they have been doing pretty much with the, the Matthews Marner line, except Thornton on the wing. That's the only thing I just, I just don't know if Thornton's skating could really keep up based on what I've seen this year. Um, See, but then again, I haven't watched It's interesting yeah. because
1: he's never been a great skater and he's always had, right. Like up until last year, he's like a very good play driver up the middle. I, I'm wondering if first if they go with the second line, um, which brings me to my next question. I think we're both on the same page where, you know, I don't think we're, we're, you know, yelling at Keith. There's no
0: rush. We're yeah, not yelling yeah, exactly.
1: at Keith to put him on the third line. But, like, my point is, like, I just don't know what he is at this point. I don't know if he could be an elite third-line center. I don't know if he could elevate Tavares Nylander if he was put on that line the way he's, you know, and had the same success he's had with Matthews Marner. I just don't know. It's only been ten games so far, so good. Um, and if he is this good with Matthews and Marner, like going forward, like you have a great first line uh, with one of your guys making seven hundred thousand, and you know that allows you know Hyman to either play with Tavares or Nylander or whoever you get at the deadline to play with Tavares and Nylander. So there's lots of options there. Um, I'm just curious. So when Math- Matthews is out right now, he wasn't in the practice lines today, but when he gets back. Um, So the Leafs have some options here. They've they've gone with Thornton, Matthews, Barner. Basically, every game, they've all been healthy. Um, Currently, they're going Tavares, Nylander, and then the left wing's changed, whether it's Hyman, VZ at the start of the year, um, or Kerfoot. Would you consider what they did last night, where you keep Thornton, Tavares, Marner, who played really well last night, and then you go, like, Hyman, Matthews, Nylander, kind of the old line, get the boys back together.
0: The boys, yeah.
1: Would you consider doing that, or are you would you just keep it as is uh, going forward?
0: Yeah, we're kind of splitting hairs here. And I, I know that, like, you and I have said this so many times in the past, like, no matter whether you put Tavares with Nylander or Tavares with Marner or Matthews and Nylander, like, there's going to be positive results. Like, they're four really, really good players. Um, so I don't think it can go wrong. Like if they want to keep that line together, um, and then bring back the boys and the like Kaiman and Matthews and Nylander, like they're going to be favorited to win those games. Like they're not, like, they're still going to be, that's still a very good top six. Um, it would be cool to see. I've always been a big, like, I've always been a big fan of seeing Matthews and Nylander together. I think just off the rush, they're a lot more dangerous, um, than any of the other pairs they have. And then I think Tavares and Marner can play. They just play at each other's speed, and I think Marner's so good at, at dictating the pace. Um, whereas when and, and obviously with Tavares, he's you know not really the skater he used to be. He's not really the one on one. He can't really beat guys to the outside like he used to in in with the Islanders. So I think Marner and Tavares can kind of play the same pace, um, and with Nylander and Matthews, like, like they're in a rush. Like, they, they're trying to get up the ice. They're trying to gain the offensive zone um, as quick as they can. So I think stylistically, they're just a better pit fit, um, those pairs. But again, like, you put a guy like a, a passer like Marner with a scorer like Matthews, like, obviously, we've seen what's that ha- what happens when that happens. So um, I think you just can't go wrong. It's the boring answer, but, you know, it'd be cool to see.
1: Yeah, I think my, as you said, I think Matthews, I think, to, sorry. I think Tavares benefits more from Marner. Like, I think he needs Marner a little bit more than Matthews does. I think with, with Matthews and Nylander, like, if you can get the zone for Matthews and just get the puck to him, he can normally do the rest. Um, Like, he's got such a good shot, right? Like, you don't need to set him up with an A-grade scoring chance because he makes just a simple shot from a, low, a little bit far out a really good scoring chance. So I wouldn't mind experimenting and kind of flipping here. The other thing that you could do is you could do Um, You know, maybe you put Hyman with Matthews and Marner, which we know works, and then you put, you know, Thornton with Tavares and Nylander, and, you know, as I said earlier, like, Thornton should be able to set those guys up, because Nylander and Tavares are both good net front scorers. Uh, That could be an interesting line, so I wouldn't mind either flipping the left wings or flipping the centers. I do think that Keith probably wants to put Matthews and Marner together, because he likes playing them a ton of minutes, and it's just easier to do if they're together. They also seem to really like playing together, but... I wouldn't mind, you know, flipping, you know, trying some different things out here because they are in first. Um, Once Matthews returns, of course, I do think they're going to be, you know, take their time there. But uh, it's just interesting to see, I guess they can't really go wrong, but I would like to try to maximize it, play around. Um, We'll see if the Thornton-Matthews-Marner line continues to have the same success as they were having. Um, And, you know, hopefully the Tavares-Nylander duo figures it out and starts playing a little bit better, but I think you can always go back and flip it around if you have to. So I think they're in a good spot there.
0: Exactly. I think they like your number one goal in terms of lineups needs to be having the most optimal lineup for game 1 in the playoffs. And you know, obviously you don't want to take your foot off the gas during the regular season, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but the point is is that, you know, when you have those top 4 players, when you have the defense that they have right now, that top 4 like and they're playing the Canadian division where Virtually every team is going through a crisis right now, except for maybe Winnipeg. But, like, they're going to be favored to win most of these games, and I think you need to experiment things. So I'm definitely on team experimentation. Um, you know, I, I don't want to see, like, Matthews on the fourth line, but, you know, I, I do want them to try some different things out. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to that notion. I think that would be pretty cool. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be opposed to that. So
1: I want to ask you, now that we've done top six, I want to ask you about that third line. So this week, they've gone with a Mikhaev, Engvall, Engvall playing center, and Hyman third line. Uh, it is, like, they're really good on the forecheck. They're strong defensively. Uh, I think you just look at that line, and you expect them to have, like, a 1% shooting percentage just because none of them are great, are great scorers. Um, what have you thought of that third line thus far?
0: I really like I really like them, and I know that it's almost kind of become a joke about Mikheyev missing all these chances and and whatnot. But the point is, is like when Engvall and Mikheyev are together, there's hardly any chances against. And even when the other team is in the in the offensive zone, like I'm very confident, I'm very comfortable when they're in the defensive zone. Like they're just so good defensively. First of all, they're huge, and they can skate. And I think that's a really cool combo for them to have, like both of them on the same line. Um, really, didn't really. It doesn't really matter who that third winger is, even when it was VZ. Like it was still a pretty effective line just because those two were on it. Um, I really like them. I, I obviously would hope that you know there's a there's kind of a offensive guy as that third option, maybe like a Galchenyuk, maybe a Patan, um, so that they can kind of start converting some of those chances and turning that offensive zone time into goals and scoring chances uh but you you can almost like Mikhaev's dangerous chances per 60 i don't know if anyone tracks that but it's got to be pretty high especially missed chances <laughs> like it's always it's it's literally becoming a joke at this point
1: yeah he leads the league in almost goals for sure um yeah. part of that is like he, he's not the best finisher but i do think that he will get at least some some of those will start going in i've liked it too um, I don't know, like, I think I might want Kerfa back there at some point, um, but I, I know I tweeted last night that, like, when Engvall and Makai ever pair together, they're both big and they're both fast, and it just feels like their wingspans combined to cover the whole length of the ice, and yeah. I do think they're both elite penalty killers, like, they're they're legitimately good penalty killers, both of them, and I do like, like, especially when you're playing a team like Edmonton that has McDavid and has Dreisaitl you can put them out there against anyone. Like, I feel comfortable if they're out against McDavid because they they can both skate and they both have a long reach and they're both, you know, responsible defensive forwards. So, as you said, who the third person is on that line, I'm not sure. The one thing I'll say is um, I I do think that you want to have a more offensive fourth line if you have that third line because, you know, they're probably not going to score all that much. But they do. Like, Boyd and Spezza, that's what they're there for. We saw that really nice goal from Spezza last night, and maybe we should have got him a, a star for that, but um, I, I do think you need to have a more offensive third line, uh, fourth line. It's kind of what they did with the Marlies though when they won the call there, when they had that uh, I've said this before, the, the Green and Gauthier-Engvall shut down third line, and then they went back with you know, Marchment Brooks Moore. Yeah. So they went more offensive fourth line, which is what you could do here. I do like Kerfoot there. Um, I, I don't, I, I put this in my article, but like, I think Kerfoot can play center or wing effective. Like, he can play both. Um, I don't think, like, when people say, is he a winger, I think they mean, like, can he play top six? Because no one's, like, like I don't think there's a big difference, for example, between, you know, a line with, say, Makayev and Engvall on the line. I don't think there's a major difference between whether Kerfoot's left wing on that line or center on that line. Like, I just don't think it's going to be night and day. Um, so I think he can play both. I do think that when he's been on that third line, he's typically the best player. Um, If he's playing with those guys, he's probably not going to generate a ton of offense. And, you know, he'll probably definitely, like like most players, he's going to generate more offense in the top six. But um, whether it's Hyman there, I kind of like Hyman in the top six just because we've seen it work. And uh, I love just his ability to get the puck to to skilled forwards. But Hyman's fine there. I think Beesey was fine there in a pinch. I think I've liked Kerfoot there in the middle. Um, I do think that they have something going, though, with with Engvall-Makaya, that duo.
0: It's crazy, though, just thinking about it, how many guys, like how interchangeable this lineup is. Like even when you look at centers, guys that could potentially play center, it's Matthews, Tavares, Nylander can play center. We've obviously seen that in the infamous playoff lineup. Kerfoot can play center, Spezza, Engvall, Thornton, we've been talking about him playing center, Boyd, and... I guess Patan. Yeah, it.
1: Patan played with the Marlies. Patan so. has played. Yeah. Galchenyuk Patan maybe the... he's played some yeah. in his career.
0: It's crazy. Like Hyman can play both wings. Engvall can play both wings. Obviously Neilander can play both wings. I'm pretty sure Makayev's played on that right wing yep. at some point. So it's it's crazy. Like they they have a very 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 interchangeable lineup, and I think keeps the perfect coach for for this type of a lineup because uh, he'll actually try new things. Uh, we've seen that with the Marlies. We're seeing it now with the Leafs. Um, right now, like, in a in a healthy lineup, who would be? Let's let's just say, your top six is let's just say it's Thornton, Matthews, Marner. Second line is Hyman, Tavares, Nealander. Okay. What would be your ideal third line and your ideal fourth line? Healthy lineup right now.
1: Uh, I would so go. Is back, everyone. I would go with that Engvall, Kerfoot, Makayev line as the third line. And then I would probably go, um, Boyd, Spetsa, Simmons. Where someone's got to play left wing, which might be a bit weird, but I'd try that out. Um, you can always rotate Barabanov in with Boyd because you can't have Spetsa. I like Spets on the wing more, so that's why I, I, I lean putting Boyd in. Um, you could.
0: Sorry, well, who is your fourth line?
1: Uh, Boyd Spetsa simmons which is kind of like a, I don't really love that fourth line. It's kind of makeshift because I want all three guys in. Um, yeah. but I don't love Spetsa at center. I prefer him on the wing. So maybe like Spetsa on left wing would be a bit weird, but I wouldn't mind trying that. Um, the other thing I wonder if you, if you went like Engvall-Makayev as your fourth line, but, uh, I think you might need to get one more guy as an addition before you do that. Um... The one thing I'll say is, like, I do want one more player at some point. I know with all this depth, some people think it's weird that I'm looking for a forward, but just a little bit more depth and just a little bit more, um, you know, if, if Matthews is out for a game, I didn't really love, I don't really love that ban Banoff, Kerfoot, Nylander line come playoff time as your second line. Like, I would like a little bit more of a plan B um, and, and someone that maybe, you know, pushes one guy out of the lineup that should play, I'm fine with that um but it, it does look like, like like a center
0: or a winger
1: uh, it could be either so okay um i think winger is going to be easier to acquire it always is um uh, right. the one guy i didn't mention grandland in my article today uh the predators are playing him at center right now he's a first line center playing with forsberg um so i've been watching him closely you know his versatility would be a good fit with the leaves he's almost like a better curve foot, just a better playmaker uh, he's a guy that could play in the top six on the wing. He's got, you know, 60-point seasons in the past. Um, and, and he is someone, too, that could maybe be your third-line center and provide some playmaking. So I think he's a perfect fit. I don't know if they're going to go big game hunting and, and, you know, maybe look at s- some bigger names before you go to Granlund. But uh, I, I do like Granlund, and I just want maybe one more player to really put this team over the top.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly what they need. They need someone that's gonna that can play in their top six. Um Because I think we have talked about this in the past where they have a lot of depth in terms of NHL ready guys, guys that can jump up into the bottom six. But in terms of guys that can jump up into the top six, I think they're a little bit weak there Mm -hmm. Um, or just like kind of bona fide guys that can really step up to the top six. So I think that's really their, You know, it's tough to say a weakness when they're their first place and they're playing as well as they can but i i would say that's their biggest weakness right now is just kind of another top six guy another top six forward but like just looking at the calendar here like we should expect a trade especially if they're making a trade with someone in the states due to the quarantine and everything like that like at least in the next two to three weeks i would say uh
1: maybe like i i do think senior would be better obviously the, the later you wait the more
0: Sellers the less there, time you have, yeah.
1: The less time you have, but the more sellers there might be, right? Like I don't know how many guys are available. It does seem like Nashville is one of those teams. Um, like for example, like some teams might fall out of it. Like Calgary, for example, could be in the. I don't think they're selling today, but maybe they're selling by the deadline if they go on a losing streak here. Um, the one, I guess, the one guy I'll point out would be Robertson, who's been who's been good with the Marlies. Um, I, I do think he had a bit of a rough week. He took some bad penalties um, he only has one goal so far through i believe eight games but he he has got his chances he's around three shots a game he has been one of the more d- uh, dangerous offensive forwards He is a pretty good playmaker um i do think some of the assists have been fluky i do think that he kind of has to work on his all-around game i just don't think he's like dominating to the point where you have to call him up right now like he's giving you no choice and especially the way patan and and Barabanov have played, and you do want to give Galchenyuk a chance at some point. Uh, he's going to have to really outplay Galchenyuk and Anderson if he wants to earn a look. So I, I think at this point, uh, he, he's kind of not in the in the picture, but if he plays really, really well, maybe he, he kind of forces his way, his way in. But at this point, I think you're kind of uh, leaving him on the Marlies for now. He's getting penalty kill time, which he wouldn't get with the Leafs. He's getting tons of minutes. Uh, it's good for his development. So um, I guess I'll just I'll say that about Robertson, and Uh, I do want to talk about Lilligren too, but I'll I'll let you touch on Robertson quick.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you weren't kind of all roses about Robertson at the AHL level. Um, I know I haven't. I think that the things that we knew that he was going to be really good at, he has been really good at. Um, One goal in eight games, I mean, it's nothing. He's got a bunch of chances. He probably should have more goals, but just hasn't really gotten lucky around the net. Um, But I'm I'm with you there. I think that his all-around game, I think he can still improve in his own end in terms of positioning. Um I know I talked about this in the pod the last episode so I'm not really going to reiterate myself too much but just passing in transition um and and I think that the Marlies is just the perfect place for him right now. Um obviously that decision has to come whenever the OHL figures their stuff out but I'm I'm enjoying watching him with the Marlies and the Leafs just have so many options in that for that bottom 6. Um and like you said like he's going to have to really outperform guys like even like Adam Brooks and Anderson and when Galchenyuk gets down there. So I think keeping him where he is right now is fine. Um, You know, like there's no rush with him. I think we're just so, we we see like these prospects and we see them play so well at the OHL and then we think like right away they should be playing with the Leafs. And there's just no rush. I mean, he's 19 years old. He's going to be a big part of this organization. No need to bring him up, you know, to play him know 10 minutes at even strength let him get big minutes let him penalty kill let him be on the power play let him be a star uh with the marlies and kind of work out the kinks before he comes up so um yeah i'm I'm on the same page as you with robertson
1: yeah and he was a week away from being drafted in 2020 and you look at like even lafreniere he's got four points in in 19 games right now like it's tough for teenagers to make it he does have a chance at the playoff lineup i'll say that like if he is playing very well with the marlies you can call him up a month from now um and, and get him you know a look towards the you know Basically give him a tryout towards the end of the regular season, uh, if you think he's one of your top 12 forwards, or or possibly could be. Um, But for now, they're going to, yeah, prioritize development, give him as much ice time as possible. Um, I still don't know why he's playing. He plays his forehand side on the power play rather than the one-timer, and he did play the one-timer in Peterborough. uh, Peterborough, sorry. And... uh, I don't know. Like he's got such a good one timer. Obviously, worked last year. I don't know what they're doing with their power play. It is pretty frustrating to watch. Um, but he is crafty. He's shifty. He's, he's been good in transition. Um, you know, he is smaller. I think it's almost like the reverse of Angval Makayev, where he doesn't cover that much ground. But you know, he's relentless on the puck. I still think he's a great prospect. Don't get me wrong, but they're just going to be patient. Uh, the other guy, Nick, is is Lilligren who's on the taxi squad. Uh, I do think he's going to play this week because they have a back-to-back, uh, so I think he's probably going to get the Thursday game. I don't think they'd call him up to the taxi squad unless they were going to play him because you know he's 21, they want him playing. They have guys like Marinson or Rosen that could be on the taxi squad if they just wanted a body. Um, and I do think that he's earned it. He's been the Marley's best player. He looks more confident offensively. He's always been a good transition defender, so... I don't know how much time he's going to get, mainly because Toronto's defense has been so good. There's not a lot of opportunity right now, but I am excited to kind of to give him a look and, and see what he looks like at the NHL level.
0: I think he's going to play too, um, even based on what Keith has said. Like, he's talked about um, wanting to get Lilligreen games this year. I think even as recently as, like, the, yesterday or the day before, you also touched upon it. So, like you said, he has been the Marlies' best player. Um on both ends of the ice he really stands out right now um, I'm I, like I think it just doesn't hurt to give him some shots obviously they're you know you want to see him he's played in the AHL long enough where he knows what that level is all about we've seen him at the, with the Marlies and if you can kind of sprinkle in some NHL games I think it is really good for his development like I pretty much what I'm trying to say is his situation is not the same as Robertson's where Like, Lilligren's been with the Marlies for, like, four years now. Mm -hmm. Whereas Robertson, like, we want to see a decent sample of what he can do with the Marlies. Like, we know what Lilligren's done there. Um, I still think it's, like, fine for him to play there. He's still 21 years old. But to give him these NHL games to show this is the level you need to be at, this is the speed the game is at, um, is good for his development. Like, I just don't think him and Robertson are at the same kind of level. Um, even though Robertson's kind of skipped a few kind of steps in his development because of how good his OHL season was. But uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how he plays this week with uh, if he does play.
1: I think with Lilligren, like when he was drafted, I really liked the offensive profile. And, you know, the, the defense was kind of the question mark. He was a tra- good transition defender. It was kind of his own end play. Um, so he is a very, like, he's got a very strong lower half. Um, he's almost got like the Martin St. Louis thighs going on. Uh, just mainly upper body strength that he needed to work on he continues to get stronger I I think the first two years with the Marlies he wasn't like a star offensively like 17 points 15 points and and that was in you know half season so like 43 44 games and then last year he really took a step forward with 30 points in 40 games not always the biggest fan of using points with defensemen because you get like these Tyson Berry situations where they're playing power play with McDavid Dreisheidel and you get a bunch of second assists but he is noticeably more confident rushing the puck up the ice. He is stronger. Uh, he, he did shoot a little bit too much in the power play this week for my liking, um, but he is definitely jumping into the play more. And I think he said specifically, like, during his 11 games at the Leafs last year, he didn't think he, you know, brought enough to the table offensively. So I think the, mo- the better he is offensively, the less pressure there's going to be on his defensive game. And it does look like uh, he is progressing quite well, like, defensemen do take longer I think Justin Hall was the perfect example which you know an extreme example but uh, so far so good we'll see how he looks um, I don't know how much of an opportunity he'll get because the defense has been so good but uh, hopefully he, he plays well and, and you don't really miss a beat by you know sitting Bogosian for a game to get him some rest
0: exactly my, my big thing with Lilligren when I look at his outlook and his future with the Leafs is Is like, what type of player is he going to be with the Leafs? And it's not a very big concern. Like I said before, he's 21 years old. He's got time to kind of figure this out. But he plays top power play with the Marlies right now. When you look at the Leafs, I mean, they have Riley there. They have Sandine there. They have Brody there that they played on the power play. So when you look at the future, like, I don't think Lilligren's going to be a power play guy with the Leafs. Maybe, maybe very down the road. And then on the penalty kill, like, I don't see him being, like, a PK specialist, especially not in the next, like, two, three years at the NHL level. So, you're virtually looking at him being a pretty good five-on-five driver. Like, that's what where he needs to make his, that's where, like, the meat and potatoes need to be if he's going to be, like, an everyday NHLer with the Leafs, whether it's next year or the year, bef- year after that. So... I think he defends well on the rush. I think that he can be in the positive in terms of things like Corsi and expected goals, um, but we've seen guys like Travis Dermott in the past where, like, he wasn't very—he wasn't the power play guy. He wasn't like a specialist on the penalty kill, but he played on a third pairing that when he was on the ice, he really swung the the game into his team's direction, um, even with sheltered minutes. But he still he knocked that out of the park, and I think that has to be Lilligren's kind of goal when he's playing on that third pairing with the Leafs. It's probably not going to come this year. Obviously, they have Bogosian and Dermott, but in terms of his outlook and the future, or I guess like the, the next few years with the Leafs, that's where he really needs to play well is that five on five.
1: Yeah, so I agree and disagree. So with Lilligren, I think he's better than Brody on the power play. I will say that. Um, I do think, as you said, like if it is Riley Sandin on the team, he's probably not on that power play. I do agree uh, specifically that, you know, 5-on-5 is going to have to carry him, especially just with any defender that's not going to be a top penalty kill guy. Like, A, 80%, like, what is it, 90% of the games played at 5-on-5. So that's definitely going to be the biggest part, like, where he owns the most ice time. And then, B, like, you have questions of how much does the defenseman impact the power play to begin with. And then there's only two spots on the power play, right? So uh, I do think he can play there. I do think he'll be good there. Um, I do wonder if when Riley leaves, like maybe Riley moves this off season, or I don't know if they extend
0: Riley. When Riley leaves, that, that's going to be a segment into our next, uh, a segue after you're done with this little grid.
1: Well, <laughs> when, there's two <laughs> options. There's three options with, with Riley, right? So they either, they either move him before the contract expires. They either play him at, like he plays out his contract and he walks in free agency or they extend him. So if they don't extend him, if it's one of the other two options, there's going to be some power play time. Like I would think in the future, two three years from now, we might have Sandine on unit one, Lilligren on unit two, um, for example. Um, so I do think he does have power play time in his future. Um, I do think that he could probably be a second, you know, second unit penalty kill guy like Dermot is, but he's probably you know kind of limited to what Dermot is from that perspective. I don't think he's going to be a, a Muzzin, a Hall, or a Brody. Um, one thing I'll say that it's kind of off topic, but I wanted to get to this today um, is that I think as fans, we need to have more of a team first mentality. Like, I think we root for prospects and we always want the best for players, right? Like people have a fit when, you know, Dermot's in the bottom six and it's like, well, is he going to be a top four next season? It's like, I hope not. Like, I hope they have four options better than him because that's great for the team. Um, the bottom I, two, yeah. I, I like he is valuable in that bottom in that last pair bottom pairing, yeah. Because he's got he's always had great results and that's perfect. Same with like um like if, if Lilligren can play on the Marlies next year without going through waivers, and if Bogosian continues to play well, I might just say yeah let's let's take Bogosian at the same price if he's willing. We'll run it back, and Lilligren can have one extra year on the Marlies. Like it's not the best for Lilligren, but it might be best for the team. Um, same with like like Travis Boyd, who's been good, or Nick Patan, who's been good. Like if they go out and get a Grandland, and, it, and as a result these guys are scratched, like I'm I'm okay with that. Um, you know the Jays are kind of going through the same thing with Randall Grichuk, where they go out and get George Springer. Now they have four outfielders. Someone's not going to be a starter now that probably should be, but that's a good problem to have. Like I want good problems to have. Um, I think sometimes we mistake good problems to have with just problems and they're two different things. Like it is nice to have that depth. Lilligreen is a great guy to call up if you need him. Um, so I do think that, you know, maybe Lilligreen isn't even up next year and that's okay. Cause he'll be up the next year. So I do think you kind of have to think team first rather than player first sometimes. And that's what I'm trying to do. It's kind of my, uh, my new month's resolution, if you will.
0: <laughs> um, yes. With the, with, with the overall premise there, I do agree. Obviously, the team has to come first. And, and if you have a guy like Dermot in your bottom pair, for example, that's a good thing. But I'll defend the Dermot fan club, I guess, here, where I think in the past, when you look at this Leafs top four, you could arguably say that Dermot, who was playing in the bottom pairing, was better than one of those top four guys. Like they've had CC in the past in the top four, they've had Barry in the past in the top four, and then obviously your Hainesy is your Zaitsev. So, look, I I don't think it's far fetched to say like Dermot should be in that top four when like Zaitsev and Hainsey are there. Um, Agreed. I think this year it's a bit different where like like they have a bona fide top four where it's like this this is the year where it's like it's a good problem to have Dermot in that bottom pairing because your top four are like legitimately better than. Them now. In saying that, this is going to segue into our, our, our mandatory Morgan Riley talk, where I think now this year, people are seeing that Riley, is in the negative. Pretty much, shot attempts per se, uh, shot attempts differential at five on five, expected goals at five on five. Like, like I think they're seeing that Riley really sticks out right now in the top four in a bad way. Um, and he gets bailed out by Brody quite a bit. And I think now we're starting to like Riley's kind of becoming that kind of like the scapegoat or or the guy that everyone's kind of blaming on defense. And I wanted to talk about Riley because I was looking up some numbers earlier this week and I tweeted it out where I was looking at how good has Riley been offensively. and and you know, when you look at things like hockey visits heat map charts, Riley grades out extremely well offensively. He is good offensively. We see him jumping up in the rush, and he obviously swings kind of the game uh, and, and, you know, increase the amount of chances they have. But I wanted to see, like, in terms of things like Corsi 4 per 60 or even Goals for per 60, where does he rank in terms of those things in comparison to other Leafs, defensemen anyway. Last year, and, and I really wanted to look at Muzzin because Muzzin is so, we, we look at Muzzin as almost like a defensive defenseman. Um but when you look at things like how he moves the puck and even like the rates that he has, he's able to move the puck up the ice. Um I know charting hockey has a really good um has really good graphs when it comes to that. And Muzzin grades out extremely well. Like he's a he's a very capable puck mover. Um and obviously he's good defensively, and that leads to a bunch of offensive chances. And at five on five when it comes to goals four per sixty, Muzzin's been better than Riley. Even shot attempts per sixty, shot attempts four per sixty, Muzzin's been better than Riley for the past two years, like since the beginning of last year.
1: Okay, but what's um, the what's the point here?
0: The point here is that like I I don't think Riley right now is I think he's still their best offensive defenseman, but I don't think the gap is as big as we kind of perceive it as. And I think Muzzin like is almost underrated in a way, where, like I think that like offensively he's almost as good as Riley. Then the, like this year even strength numbers even strength points he's comparable to Riley and pretty much all those stats I said before. So I think like when we we talk about O'Reilly oh, so good offensively that it it displaces his defensive kind of li-, like the fact that he's a liability defensively. Like I don't know if that's really true anymore. I don't think Riley's had a very good season, and I think that he's been worse defensively than he's been good offensively. If that makes sense. I don't
1: know. Okay, so I think with Muzzin, I don't think he's underrated. I think he's rated. Like I think everyone appreciates. Offensively? Him. Yeah. Overall, like he's everyone loves Jake Muzzin. No, I'm talking
0: about strictly offensively. Like, do we? Do no, we I don't think Muzzin he's. I don't think one he's the underrated. best offensive defensemen.
1: No, okay. I don't think he's underrated. I think Riley's significantly better than him offensively. And that could be... At 5-on-5. Yeah. I I think he's better offensively. Okay. Um, I do think that Muzzin's a very good defenseman. He's been better overall than Riley because the gap defensively is, you know, drastic. Um, I do think that Riley's been the fourth best, maybe even fifth best, if you really like Dermott, defenseman this year. He's underperformed. Um, You know, overall, he's been fine. Like, 4.5 million. It's not like he's hurting the team. He's a good player. Um, he was an outstanding, like, A player, not last year, but the year before. Like, he was, I believe, like, first in terms of goals above replacement in terms of defensemen. First. Like, he was a star. And then last year, he dealt with some injuries, wasn't a great year. Um, I do think he is a good player. Like, right now, I would not touch the defense this year. I just don't think if you're this you're going to risk it. Uh, it's not that, like, I'm sure you could win a Riley trade. Um, but I don't think they're touching it this year. You go in the off season. I do think they should consider trading Riley for the reasons you outlined, um, especially when you have you know some some good puck movers like Sandy and Lilligren on the way. Um, so we'll see. I do think he's a guy that you know his trade value might be better than his offensive value. But at this point, I think he's a he's a good player. I don't think you're touching the defense. I agree with your Dermot point that um, you know he was he probably did deserve top four minutes. In previous seasons, it's just like, I don't think Dermot's expendable just because he's in the bottom pairing. Like, I, I hate how people refer to defensemen like it's like top four or bust, because he's a very valuable player, Dermot, on that third pairing, and I love having him there. So I, I do think that, yeah, Riley is probably, you know, as as we've mentioned, um, I, I do think that the offensive game's there, the bad defense is there, and, and that takes away a lot of the value, but I'm just, I'm fine with his defense right now, basically. With Riley's defense? With the team's defense. Like, just the, the sixth. Okay, okay, okay. They, the sixth defensive okay, they okay. have, I, I I think Riley's net positive for sure. I just I, I don't think it's as much as maybe some people think, but uh, I do think he is a, a, a good NHL player. It's just, you know, his trade value probably ex- exceeds his actual value.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll try and, like, so I definitely don't think they should touch it this year. Um, okay. The defense this year. That's 100%. Like I said that on the last episode as well. Um, and you you just can't. It just doesn't make sense to trade a guy like Riley midseason. Like you're not going to get his value. Um, you, you'd you have to wait till the offseason if you want to trade him. Like, that's or like 100%. an absolute haul. Like
1: a, a no doubter. Which is obvious.
0: Yeah. Which, yeah, 100%. I just don't know if you get it during the season. But, right. Um, and if you even want to touch it. But yeah, my, my point was just almost like a, a Muzzin appreciation thing as well. Like just how good he is on both ends of the ice and i'll disagree with you i don't think this year riley's been a net positive um and it is somewhat concerning like yes he costs only you know 4.5 a year but this guy's like their minute leader every single night um so i definitely think you need a better better morgan riley especially if you want to go like really deep in the playoffs especially if he's going to be eating up those minutes um i think that's one of the bigger concerns the leafs have this year um is the way he's playing i think he's being I don't want to say carried by Brody, but especially on the defensive end, like Brody's kind of really, I don't know. I I can't find a synonym for, for carrying right now. That sounds better, but um, obviously been holding the load there. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, it's just bothering me right now with Riley. Like I I think in the past you wanted him to be jumping up into the play because they were such a run and gun team. And, and like, it just seems like his decision-making in terms of, do I jump up in the play or do I stay back? Like 90% 90% of the time he's jumping up into the play this year and that's something that's kind of bothering me right now where it doesn't look like it's situational decisions it's just I'm jumping up there's a high chance of me getting a point here or a scoring chance and regardless of the situation I'm jumping up and that's kind of is what is really bothering me right now with with Riley's game
1: yeah I think maybe we just had different definitions of net positive like I called Tavares a net positive this year even though he's having a disappointing year like if we're doing relative to expectations i think yeah riley's been a disappointment but like he's not a replacement level player he's he's better than
0: that um so i think i'm just talking about like pretty much like straight up offense versus defense like net positive that way definitely not replacement level well Um, that's what i mean
1: like if he's if he's above replacement level i'm calling to net positive um like he I, I do think he's fine in the top four. Like I w I don't think I would it's not like I'm scratching him or I'm like yelling to put Dermot ahead of him, but um he no, has no, no. relative That's, to expectations yeah. I think we can agree he's been, you know, one of the one of the more disappointing players on a team that doesn't have too many. Um and who knows, maybe that leads to a trade this offseason. But I, I am hopeful he can um I do think he brings something to the table because he is, you know, legitimately pretty good on the power play. Um and I don't think they really have someone else for that role, um, for the, like a top unit power play guy, unless Sandin's coming up. So I do. I, as you, I think their we job agree.
0: though, like, like, what, like, what's, like, you know how you said like we don't have a guy for the top power play. Like, like, do you think Riley? Like, how much do you think Riley's moving that dial on that top power play
1: compared to their other options? I don't like anyone else on a top power play. Like, I don't think Muzzin's best suited there. I don't think Brody's best suited there. Like they don't have or like... just
0: in their overall like impact on that top power play, like how much you think Riley impacts how good that power play is. Like if you if you switched, let's say Riley with Brody on that top power play, how how much worse do you think that top power play is?
1: Pretty significant for defensemen. Like it is defensemen, but like they don't have a Tory Krug or Sandine. Like I would if if Riley's not on the team, I want Sandine on the team, or at least Lilligran. I don't want Brody on a top power play. He didn't play that in Calgary. You know they don't have someone else who's on a top power play on another team other than Riley.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess my point is like like that power play to me, like if you have Brody on there, like that like it's it's Marner, Matthews, Nealander, Tavares. Like those are the guys that are really pushing the dial when it comes to that power play. Um, I, I guess I just don't really see like Riley's impact on that power play as much as you do. Oh, it's there. Um, like he's
1: always it's always shown up in the metrics and like. It's like Colorado. If cut kill out and you go to, like, you know, Eric Johnson or something, there's going to be an impact. I, I do think you still expect McKinnon or in to carry the load and have a pretty good power play, but I do think it would be a step backwards.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say is we're just pretty much, like, hypothetically arguing here, Uh, I guess, about how much Riley impacts that, that top power play. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they're not going to change that. Like, they're not going to change that this year. Um, it's rolling well they're pretty much the best power play in the league or at least top three um, so yeah I mean I, I I think these Riley talks aren't going to stop and they're only going to get more heated as the season goes on and, and games get more important and we get closer to the off season. so this is just kind of like our preview to the to the whole Riley talk as we get down the season
1: yeah I think I think we'll, we're pretty close on the same page um, we both think he'll finish the season with the Leafs at the very least. Obviously, with the expansion draft, we'll see what happens there. We'll we'll discuss this more in depth as as it as we get closer. But uh, a few other things I wanted to get to. Um, obviously, it does seem like VZ's on the way out. I think he's honestly a, a fine fourth line winger. I don't like love him there, but I think he's fine. Uh, I just think that you know guys are out playing him, so he's going to be on the outside looking in. Uh, I know we touched on the Galchenyuk being with the Marlies. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, Joey Anderson's been good down there. You know, he might be a guy that maybe plays like a Connor Brown, Trevor Moore type next year. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I did want to go around the league because, you know, the juggernaut Montreal Canadiens, <laughs> they have lost seven of the last eight. A lot of overtime losses, but still seven of the last eight. Um, they did switch coaches. Claude Julien is out. Uh, Carey Price has not been great. Um, and, and right now, it looks like it's, you know, Toronto one, I would say Winnipeg two, Edmonton three, and then you kind of have Montreal Calgary for that last spot right now. So uh, what, strict, what, what have you found about this division, uh, either the strength of it or just Montreal in general?
0: Well, I definitely want to talk about the coaching change because that caught me by surprise. And, you know, despite being a Leafs fan, like I've always, for some reason, kind of I never felt a rivalry with Montreal. Maybe they just haven't played in the playoffs um, in a long time. So I've always wanted to see a playoff series, so I always wanted Montreal to be somewhat good and that series to happen. So I liked Claude Julien as a coach for them. I thought, obviously, at 5-on-5, Montreal's been one of the better teams in the league uh, in the past two, three years because of him, I think. Um, Been pretty brutal on special teams. Um, I I just thought that this the firing was a little bit random. Like obviously they lost some games against Ottawa, but like for that firing to come a month after pretty much dominating games and obviously they played against Vancouver a bunch of times and they're kind of coming down to earth, but it just felt weird. Like one month you think you're the best team in the division and then a month later you you're pretty much playing like like subpar 500 hockey and you fire your coach. It just kind of seemed kind of it just seemed weird to me. Like I'm I'm interested to see what you think about it because obviously I know you have some ties to Montreal as well and and uh, you know Claude Julien's been the coach for a while and obviously was a coach you know in the mid 2000s as well for the team.
1: Yeah, so I think with with the Habs, one thing I'll say like Price has played 12 games with an 888 save percentage and you know he's he's definitely hurting them. Um, you look at their five on five numbers and they're they're very good. Like they do have good play drivers like the Jeff Petrie, uh, Brendan Gallagher, or Josh Anderson—like they—they have a lot of size and guys that win battles. Like it almost feels like they have a lot of Zach Hyman types. Um, I don't think they have the same finishing talent as the Leafs. Like they don't have a Matthews or a Marner that's going to you know create a lot more goals with the chances they do get. Um, but they are a team. The one thing I'll say about the Habs is like they've had a bad power play for so long, and I know part of that is. Uh, just the guys they have like they don't have a Alane Ovechkin, Stamkos, Matthews uh, but they do have to figure it out eventually and they have Nick Suzuki to kind of quarterback things um, you know year after year it seemed like they were going with like way too many point shots from Shea Weber um, I do think that you know part of it is they need to fix that power play and I don't know if that's on Bergevin or on on Julian but you know they need to fix that they're the, you know, they're such a bad team when it's not 515, um, and they really need to fix that. So I, I do think maybe that's on the coaching staff, but I was pretty shocked by the move. Um, I was actually at Tim Hortons at the time, and I was at first I didn't think it was a real tweet. Um, so I was, I was going for a uh, place in my coffee order and looked at my phone, and I was, I don't know. It just threw me off guard. I was not expecting it, but um, we'll see. We'll see how if it, if it makes a difference. Um, just, I guess one thing I want to say about the division in general is like, the Leafs, like people like to, they see the Leafs record and they like, oh, well, it's a weak division. That's the only reason. Like they don't pick the schedule. They're, they're pl- like 16, four and two is a good record regardless of who you're playing. And you know, we're not going to like, some people are like, we'll see what happens when they face, you know, the good U S teams. Like if that happens, they're in the conference finals and I'm thrilled. Right. So like, so far, so good from the Leafs' perspective. It is a decent division. I don't think it's, like, that much worse than, like, there's one with Nashville, Chicago, Detroit, which is, like, three of the worst teams. Nashville looks brutal. They're playing Ben Harper right now. Um, So, well, well, I, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I don't, I just want to give the Leafs some credit for their start because I do think that this division is half decent.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think, I think, I think it's easy right now to say that, you know, when, when it's such a lopsided division right now, like the Leafs are, are six points ahead of the Oilers who are second place with a game in hand. Obviously, the Jets are there who also have games in hand and stuff like that, but there's a gap. And I think it's easy to say that the Canadian division is bad just because of those standings right now. Um, but even if you look at the West division, like there's the Sharks, Ducks, Coyotes, Kings. So obviously, they have the Knights and the Blues and the Avalanche. Like those are obviously three teams that I would say are probably... top seven in the league but like i also don't think that the north division's that bad as advertised but one thing i do want to say about divisions is you look at the north division the leafs are the number one team the canadians i still think are a top three team even though they've had obviously their issues in the past few weeks you look at the east division you have the bruins there who are playing very well and then you look at the central division the number one team there is the Lightning. The number two team there is the Panthers. Like that Atlantic division last year and all those years before, like that was a stacked division. Like I think we're putting way too much emphasis on how, you know, poor the North division is and not putting enough emphasis on how good those Atlantic divisions have been in the past couple of years. Because we're starting to see them. Obviously, they're they're pretty much being very good in their new aligned divisions now.
1: Yeah, I think the point totals, like, I do think the division's pretty weak defensively, so, like, I think some of the point totals and goal totals maybe are inflated, but there's a lot of offensive firepower, fire, can't say the word, firepower, firepower yeah, <laughs> like, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Pedersen, obviously, Goudreau's always been a great scorer, uh, Winnipeg has plenty of star talent as well, and, and Montreal can really score five on five, so... Like, I think defensively, the, the results are, are, you know, legitimately impressive and, and way better than last year. So, I, I think, you know, the, the Leafs are doing what they can. It's not, like, I, I do think some fans would like to see them play Tampa or Boston and prove themselves even more. But, like, that's just not going to happen. Like, we the Leafs can't call up Tampa and be like, hey, let's play a, a three-game series and and see how we stack up. It's just, you know, not the reality. So, um, I want to get into...
0: It's, 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 it's almost like reverse confirmation bias where you can say, oh, well, if they're playing Lightning and Bruins, they would be really bad. And, I mean, they're never going to play the Lightning and Bruins unless they get to the third round, so no one can argue against that. But, yeah, I mean, the Leafs have been really good. Even in, in terms of, like, on the power play, they've had one of the best power plays. The penalty kill has been really good. Like, I would say they're a top-four team right now on the, power, on the penalty kill this year. And at even strength, they've also been pretty good this year. So, I mean, they're pretty much just dominating this division right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for some... Uh, it's it's kind of a weird trivia question today, but are you ready?
0: You're bringing it up right away here.
1: Yeah. So, there is... The KHL playoffs are about to start, Nick. Rodion Amirov is up against Pontus Aberg in the first round. Right. You know, that's pretty exciting. Former... First-line player of the Leafs last year, Pontus Aber. And I was looking at Ilya Makayev's last season in the KHL, and he played with some Leafs legends and some Habs legends. I want you to name I'm at least... going to
0: butcher this for sure.
1: At least one of the legends, and there are some of your favorite players here. So I'll give you some hints. I don't
0: know if you're being sarcastic right now about Not the legends. You- like, it's going to be like Thomas Placanitz or something. No, like no, no. That.
1: This guy was good, he was a defenseman for the Leafs. You liked him. Uh, he went to the K, and I think you wanted to. I think you wanted him the year he went to the K. It was kind of surprising he went to the K because he had good underlying numbers.
0: Did I actually like this guy, or is yeah,
1: yeah, yeah? I give you a hint, but I'll, I'll spoil it.
0: Okay, don't give me a, don't give me a hint. It's not gonna be like Ovechkin because obviously I know he didn't play. on No, the no, team. better,
1: better, better. Oh, top better. four. You played top four with the Leafs. Yeah, with pretty good results.
0: Oh, actually, you know what? The fact that you said I did like it, I, th- I think I do know. Is it the code?
1: It is the code.
0: One of my favorite fantasy players.
1: Former team... He was good at fantasy. Yeah. Former teammate of Ilya Mikhaev. Okay, there's more. This, what a duo this is those a guys st- are. <laughs> this is a pretty stacked team when I was looking at it. This guy is a former first-line center of the Montreal Canadiens.
0: Uh... I can't even think of a first-line center they've had short, in years.
1: Short? Even short? Desharnay? Desharnay was on that team. Oh, All I'm right. We're going to... Okay, this guy was... What's the name of have... this team again? Oh, what were they? I think it starts with an M. Okay. I okay. can't even pronounce it. These like are these are
0: say. my boys, though. This yeah, is this my was team. your favorite team.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, this guy is... Okay. This guy is a former Habs defenseman big hitter play with Markov kind of dirty kind of Russian. dirty, I'm yeah like good
0: dirty or or he like can't no like d- he's oh. kind of a dirty player defenseman no I'm not gonna get this one I'm not gonna try Emily. this one's Remember Alexi Emily. Emily. there's yeah. no chance I was getting that one <laughs> no
1: okay there's more um uh, this guy was a Leafs legend this one's somewhat sarcastically but I actually liked him He was fast he was Swedish uh, bigger player. Uh he he got traded to Chicago. There's actually two guys that got traded to Chicago or that were on Chicago and Toronto on this team.
0: You're going to have to give me more here. A guy who, who one, played give me give me some years like a range of when they were with Okay, these. one
1: one guy. Actually, this might like be a one, giveaway, but one guy works for Sportsnet now.
0: Bo who played? What What are the years these guys were on the Leafs?
1: Uh, this guy. Okay, so the one guy played in ten eleven. He got traded. He won a Stanley Cup with Chicago.
0: Ten eleven. Who was on that team? Oh. Um. Oh my God. He played with Fleischman and uh, Stephen Weiss when he was with Florida. Um. <laughs> Versteeg. Versteeg.
1: Versteeg is one. Yep. The other guy was Victor Stalberg.
0: Oh, Victor. Who Who works for uh, Sportsnet?
1: Chris Christie, oh does he's he? Oh, yeah. He's on the radio all the time. I think he does.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, no chance I was gonna get that one. <laughs> but uh, do you have any more trivia questions for the next thing? I,
1: I wanted to say one other thing it was um, Earl Schwartz on the uh, Leafs Nation wrote a good article on KHL free agents. The one guy I want is this Oculov guy. I'm gonna be watching him. Uh, I've seen him in the past. He just, you know, I want to see if he's better than Mikhail kind of thing. Uh, so I'll be watching him. Uh, no other trivia questions nick but i, I do want to do the uh the look ahead to this week do you have anything else before we do that
0: yeah before we say that um first of all i'm still bitter about the alexi emlin being one of the answers for trivia <laughs> this week like if yeah, anyone was listening and they got that like geez give your ta- give, give yourself a pat on the shoulder um but i did want to ask you like one thing I find really funny about this Canadian division is that any time you lose to Ottawa or, or any sort of losing streak, it's almost like the world is, is falling right now. Um, like we've, we've seen that with the Canucks. We've seen that with the Canadians now, with the Flames, obviously with the Senators. Um, so I know in our, our preseason podcast, we talked about the top three teams um, in this Canadian division. We thought it was the Leafs, then the... I said the Canadians, you said the Flames, and then we flip flop for number th- the third seed. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, both those teams have struggled at times this year. So, who would... This is going to be a two-part question. One, who are your top three teams in the division right now? And obviously, there's been trades since, especially with Winnipeg. And two, if you are Toronto, who do you want to play in the first round this season, based on what you've seen thus far in the Canadian division? Um, I still think... Honestly, Winnipeg scares me now.
1: I don't think they have very good results in terms of, like, expected goal differential, but I like Josh Morrissey. I like Peehawk a little bit, DeMello. I think their defense is okay, and the fact they added Pierre-Luc Dubois behind Shifley, they just scare me, and and Hellebuck I just wouldn't want to face. So, for some reason, I have them in my top three, even if the results aren't there yet. I just That roster scares me with Ellers, connor they got a lot of fire, uh, firepower. And I think Montreal, I'm still going to say top three. Like, I know they're on a losing streak. They're just so good at five-on-five. Five. And I feel like in a short series, maybe their power play gets hot. Um, so I'm going to say I don't want to play Montreal. I want to play – I almost want to play Edmonton or Calgary. Um, I think the Calgary one would be fun because, obviously, the Muzzin-Kachuk thing. Um, and, and I think just like, you know, Brody played on that team. Um, and I think Edmonton would just be so fun from like a Matthews McDavid, a high scoring series, It'd be a complete opposite of what we saw against Columbus. So I'll say, uh, and an, I'd like to, I'd like to play an Alberta team.
0: Okay. If you had to pick one
1: and I'll go, I go Calgary cause they're doing worse.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I actually want to, I mean, obviously this is putting aside the Canucks in Montreal who obviously if, if they make the playoffs, you want, obviously you want the Leafs to play. Uh, one of those guys no, no no but um you said montreal you meant Ottawa. oh did i say montreal yeah oh yeah. geez maybe at, at the rate they're going but um i would want to see the leafs play the oilers um i know that they're playing quite well right now they're two. obviously the leafs beat them yesterday um but even before that game yesterday I, I think the oilers are still the fifth best team in this division um i would have the canadians the flames and the jets uh, ahead of them um like you said Canadians are still a very good team 5 on 5 and if they are anything like kind of that julianne team um I still think you know in this series they can beat the Leafs um if Carey Price gives them some you know even 9 915 920 goaltending and or even better like we've seen him play in the past um I think they could steal that series the Jets do scare me as well um just like any hot goalie like a goalie that can get hot and Hallberg was one of the best goalies last year so And the Dubois trade did make them better, so I think they're the second best team in the division right now. And then with the Flames, like I, I think they're the toughest team to kind of read right now because, like, I like their forwards, I like the guys that are on their team, and I like their top four D. So I think they're just kind of a, a tricky team to figure out why they're not getting the results right now. Maybe I just haven't looked into it, you know, deep enough. But I think they're definitely one of the top four teams in this division. And then when you look at the Oilers, like. Like, give me seven games against Tyson Berry in the top four. Um, I think this year the Leafs can, you know, kind of handle a a line like McDavid or definitely slow them down in comparison to last year. And then, you know, their their second, third, fourth line, like, I'm not too worried about them. So I definitely think Oilers are, like, the fifth best team in this division. I'd I'd love to see a Leafs-Oilers first round. Like, so the fact that they're doing well right now is, like, music to my ears.
1: Yeah, I think just from an entertainment perspective, it'd be the best. And I think you convinced me. Like, there, it's weird saying you want to face McDavid, but you know, they they do have so many problems on that roster. Uh, I think I'd like to play Smith and, and Mikko Koskinen rather. Koskinen, sorry, got the least prospects <laughs> on the line. Um, and I, you know, maybe if they get a guy at the deadline, though, they could be really scary. But at this point, I think they're bad defensively. Uh, Tyson Berry, I don't trust their goalies, even though Mike Smith's off to a good start. Um, so I do think that's actually the team I'd want to play. I got a weird trivia question for you. One more. Are you ready?
0: It, it better not be Emlin again. <laughs> it's, it's pretty if close. If it's Emlyn, I might have to quit. I might it's have to co- quit. I hope
1: you didn't see my tweet, but um, Jared Tenorti, another another Habs for pick. He was a first-round pick in 2010. How how many NHL games do you think Jared Tenorti has played? Just give me a ballpark.
0: <laughs> huh.
1: He was the first round Here, pick in 2010. 30. His first year in the NHL was 12-13.
0: Let's go. Let's go like 150. I don't
1: know. He's played 88 games, and it seems like he's played. Oh, it's not bad. He's. It feels like he's played for years. Someone mentioned that, like, I because Boston claimed him on uh, on waivers. I couldn't believe he only played 88 career games. Like, it, he's like that Marincin type. That's that's been around forever. And you just feel like he's played... I think Marincin's played way more. I'm just going to look it up. But it just feels like he's the guy that's played... Yeah, Marinson's played 227. He reminds me of a Marincin, but I guess he's only played 88. So weird trivia question, but I want to get that out of the way. But let's go to just the week ahead here, Nick. So they play two more against against the Oilers, and then they have two against the Canucks. Um. So out of those four, how many points do you need to be
0: happy? Uh, let's say Matthews is back, or do you think he's... he's I don't think out? he's
1: back the first game. Let's say he's back okay. the second
0: game. I mean, you definitely want to split the Oilers and then win the two games against the Canucks, so we'll go six out of eight, but, I mean, the way that this team's playing, um, and if Campbell's back and, and, and whatnot, like, like they could easily go eight out of eight on this. Well, not easily, but they could definitely do it the way they're playing. Yeah,
1: I'll say, I'll say five, given that Matthews is probably missing one, and, you know, I do think the Canucks... I don't know. Like, I could definitely see them losing one to the Canucks. Like, who knows? Maybe you get a, a, one of these goalies plays really well. I think I'd still be happy with five out of eight, even just because of how well they're doing so far. But um I, I'm definitely hoping, obviously, Matt, you want Matthews back as soon as, as possible, as long as he's not going to re... You know, as long as he's not at risk, or, or you know, much risk of, of making that worse. Um, so hopefully he's healthy and 100% soon. And... um and hopefully we see some wins here
0: yeah for sure i mean it's, it's nice to play the Canucks soon anyway so the <laughs> all night right of the day.
1: so thanks everyone for listening and we'll see everybody sometime later this week